0: Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Cyberson, a mom of a 19-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Our Safe Home has four pillars, addiction, mental health, adoption, and diversity. And today, we're going to be primarily leaning on the adoption pillar, As you might know, our son Joey uh, was adopted as an infant, and we believe it's very important to raise up the voices and stories of adopted people. So the general public is more informed about all the impacts that adoption has on people. And to that end, today's guest is Doris Blumenthal, an adopted person who lives in Northern California. Her adoption story is one of the adopting narratives in the documentary, Reckoning with the Primal Wound, which you've probably heard me talking about before, I recently met her at the premiere in Long Beach, which was awesome. And the filmmaker of Reckoning with the Primal Wound, Rebecca Autumn Sansom, was on this podcast in episode 30. Now, if you haven't seen that movie yet, I highly recommend that you do. And I also want to let you know that this episode will contain spoilers for the movie. So if you don't want it spoiled, go watch the movie first and then come back to this episode. Or or you could do it the other way around, but then you'll know what's going to happen. And I will put the link to the movie in the show notes and you can now rent it anytime for 1995 for a month-long access to the film. So go watch Reckoning with the Primal Wound. So Doris, welcome. I'm so glad you agreed to come share your story with us here at Safe Film. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. So before we get to the, the part of the story that it ends up in the film, let's just talk about your adoption in general, your adoption story.
1: My birth mom, I don't know exactly when she found out she was pregnant, but I was born in December and the previous June, so June of 1961, she graduated high school and was already showing at that point. I only know bits and pieces because... Neither of my birth parents is alive to give me any background. I did meet a couple who were very close friends with both my birth mom and birth dad. They all ran together in high school. They were all kind of pals. And um, for when they tell me, my birth mom and birth dad were not really a couple couple. There were, I think, three or four couples most of whom ended up getting married later mm-hmm. and, you know, were very romantically involved. And then my birth mom and dad were kind of like the extras or the leftovers. Okay. So they naturally kind of gravitated towards each other. And I guess there was some sort of attraction because at some point they hooked up and came up with me. Mm-hmm. According to the limited records I could get from the state, she did tell my birth dad and we've confirmed that he did know she was expecting. Mm-hmm. and. They both agreed that neither one of them wanted a child at that point. So she came to San Francisco where she had two aunts Mm -hmm. and lived with them and had me. She did return to Minnesota several times. I don't believe she ever went back to live. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. seems to have pretty much made her life in San Francisco. And oddly enough, one of the houses she lived in was maybe a block and a half from a house that my adoptive dad's brother lived in. Oh my gosh. What and that? the house that she purchased and that she raised her son in was a mile and a 10th from a house I lived in my first five years Wow. One of the aunts that she stayed with lived about three blocks from my house in that area. Wow. It's just, there are so many coincidences. My brother, much later in life, at a different time than I lived there, but lived in the exact same apartment complex in Davis. Oh my gosh. There's so (laughs) many weird parallels of us crossing our paths and Where my birth mother lived outside of San Francisco and where my folks lived, at the time, there was only really one nearby grocery market. So I have a pretty good feeling my mom with me would pass my birth mom. I'll never know if my birth mom knew Uh or if she didn't. We do bear a very strong resemblance to each other. And at my wedding, a friend's mother said to me afterwards, this lady came in after the wedding started. She looked exactly like you. She sat in the back row and she left the minute the wedding was over. Oh my gosh. So I would be very comforted and happy with the idea that perhaps she did have a way of seeing what was going on in my life. But since she's not here, I don't know. So she ended up living in the Bay Area, had a kind of a tragic life, got married, had a son, her husband died in a horrible accident. It was just kind of one thing after yeah. another for her. But yeah, I, I dearly would have loved to have met her. Yeah. And especially then later in my life, when I was in my early 50s, finding out she was always so close.
0: Oh, you know, I, I always hear of adopted people like, looking around and trying to find people that look like them. And are you my mother? Kind of like that book, maybe subconsciously, just always looking Mm -hmm. around. But heck, you totally could have seen your birth mother, but you just didn't
1: know it at the time. I could have gone to the same elementary school as my half brother. Oh and we gosh. would not have. I, I mean, don't know. Wow. Later in life, I could have dated the guy. Yeah, that's a little scary. Okay. <laughs> but and I had just no idea. I didn't even know Minnesota. Like I, I had no idea where she came from. I oh. didn't really know any circumstances. My adoptive mother would always get really upset if I oh, asked, okay. "Why do you want to know? Aren't we mm. good enough? Blah blah blah." And I just don't think that people realize that for some adoptees, maybe not all of us, but for a lot of us, there's an overwhelming need yeah. Yeah. to know. And I was raised by first generation Americans, culture, our heritage In my family growing up was super important. We were Swedish Finns. We did the smorgasbord at Christmas Eve. Mm. I'm bilingual. I grew up with close grandparents and grew up, even though I was adopted, primarily believing myself to be a Swede till maybe mid-high school when it kind of dawned on me one day, even though these traditions and everything mean so much to me, I may not be Swedish. Yeah. Did you ever find out what you are? I'm Norwegian on my dad's side, and I am German and Lithuanian and Romanian, very Eastern European. Uh-huh. But no Swedes and no Finns. No Swedes, no Finns. <laughs> Norwegians are close, you know? Yeah, that's pretty close. And interestingly, on both sides of my birth family, the people have been here since... Early to mid 1800s. Wow. In my adopted family, my dad didn't get here till 1948. Wow. So, okay. Wow. That's way different. In my head, I'm first generation. Yeah. That's sure. it. And now, when people, if they do ask, I kind of sort of try to just say, well, you know, my family's from Europe. Yeah. Because it's so hard to get into it all. But if you say you're European, it almost sounds snooty, you know? <laughs> like, well, I'm European. And so it's just things like that are very weird when you're an adoptee. Yeah. And I grew up in a neighborhood that was strongly first generation and uh, from many different countries. So everybody oh. had their own cultures and their own special celebrations, yeah, strong and traditions, yeah. Greek Easter and this oh, and that. Yeah. And so when you grow up having those traditions and then one day you realize they're really nice if they aren't yours, yeah. it just makes you feel like you have no mooring. You're out in the sea yeah. and all of the ports are nice, but none of them really are yours.
0: Yeah. They're yours by environment, but not by, by blood, right. by genes or whatever, like you're adjacent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That must be very unsettling. And it sounds like your adoptive family, as was the way it was done back in the day, just didn't want to talk about it. No, we're your family. We're not talking about your birth family. Don't even
1: ask. Is that kind of the attitude? It is. But interestingly enough, even my birth announcement, which it was just really fascinating to me, has a picture of a baby peeping over its mom's shoulder, like a little painting. uh And it says, hello, I'm adopted. And then you open it and it says, I wasn't expected. I was selected. Oh, I know. And so at the time I'm sure that was a lovely sentiment. Yeah, they were trying to be nice. <laughs> Plus the fact that people just say all the time, you're so lucky. Oh. oh, you're so lucky they chose you. Well, you know what? I had nothing to do with that. You certainly don't tell people who are born to their natural mothers. Boy, are you lucky she had you. I mean, yeah. yeah. That that would be horrible. But for some reason when you're adopted, yeah. It's okay.
0: But in order to be selected, you had to be kind of deselected mm-hmm. in the first place. So exactly. then that, does that negate the luckiness at that point? I mean, wh- what are we
1: saying when? Uh, I just think it's such a burden ah! to put on a kid yes. that you somehow owe these people yeah. for something that you had no choice. It's not like I bought a lottery ticket and yeah. I was lucky enough to win. Yeah, I was just a baby who's... Mother wasn't able to keep me, and so they just put me up for adoption. And whoever, Uh you know, basically, she didn't even put me up for adoption. It was arranged by my adoptive mom's gynecologist, who I'm guessing was also this gal, my my birth mom's gynecologist. He was very prominent in our town. Uh And I think that it was just... It was sort of a coincidence that my birth mom came to the town and had a baby and went to that doctor. And that doctor knew my folks wanted to yeah, have a baby yeah. and hadn't been able to get one in any other way. Yeah. So, So is this a private adoption through a lawyer or something? Yes. Yeah. I've heard that
0: story several times with people around your age that that's kind of just kind of like a backroom kind of mm-hmm. agreement, handshake kind of thing. I don't know. So I think that that might not happen as much nowadays. I'm not sure. And you were how old at that time?
1: It was prearranged before I was born.
0: Okay. So did your adoptive parents take you home from the hospital kind of thing?
1: Yeah. I know according to the records. And again, since I don't have anybody to ask, I can't ascertain exactly what's true. But according to the records, my birth mom got to hold me maybe, I don't know, once or twice. And she did ask for a picture. Okay. Now, whether or not she kept that picture, I don't know. I asked her son and he wouldn't tell me. My relationship with her son, my half-brother, is basically pretty much non-existent. So oh, I'm so sorry. I get it, sort of. I have a hard time with it because he's an only child, as am I. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I always wanted to have siblings. Oh. And I always thought, oh, someday if I find out who my birth family is, maybe I'll have a brother or sister. Oh. And so my two sisters on my dad's side, they've been really welcoming as has their whole side of the family. And then on my birth mom's side, I've met some of the relatives. They've all been very kind, Mm -hmm. but my birth brother has made it quite clear. He wants absolutely nothing to do with me. Mm. I reach out to him every year at the holidays and just check in with him just to keep the communication open. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's ever going to... I mean, unless the guy needs a kidney or something and yeah. <laughs> really needs me, I don't think anything oh, will ever come of that. You just wonder what's going through his head. That's that's really well, tragic. It's a shock. I mean, I know with my sisters, our dad died of pancreatic cancer. So he had a few months where he was very ill, but still very lucid. And I think both of my sisters, especially one of them, was a little hurt that their dad chose not to ever tell them about me. Oh, I see. And at first they thought, well, we all kind of thought maybe he didn't know. Yeah. Okay. But then when we went to visit these folks in Minnesota who knew them at the time, mm-hmm. we found out the whole gang knew. Oh, everybody knew. Okay. The, the whole little pack of friends uh, knew. We can only guess whether yeah. their parents knew. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never know that either. Wow. So I could see that that would be disturbing. If I found out even my adopted dad had kids that he had never told me about, yeah. I'd be kind of shook by that, you know? Yeah.
0: Maybe feel like your place in the family is somehow threatened or something like that, especially if you hadn't done some work yourself on, you know your own identity or whatever. Right. Uh, But I think it's totally his loss. It's a bummer though. And how old were you when you started looking for your birth family, when you were able to actually go about looking?
1: On and off, I thought about it a lot from my mid-teens forward, Mm -hmm. but really until there was internet, I didn't do much because it was almost an unthinkable task. I didn't have any clue where to go. It would have had to be in person. At that point, I wasn't living in the Bay Area anymore. I knew I wouldn't be able to get copies of my records because everything was sealed. Mm. So at one point, maybe in the early 90s, there was an article in... One of the women's magazines, like Women's Day or Ladies Home Journal or something, about Alma, the adoption rights group. Oh, okay. And at the end of the article, there was a place you could send your information in that was sort of a clearinghouse. And if they received a similar request from somebody who'd given up a child, they would try to match you up. Okay. And so I did that manually through the mail. Mm-hmm. And then we moved a couple times. And so around 2015-ish, I think, I started really kind of thinking about it. And for me, it's always been a trigger at the end of the year. I have my birthday. It's New Year's. It's really a poignant and difficult time of year for me. And I always found myself Kind of looking in the computer and looking at different Mm -hmm. reunification sites, which at the beginning were very rudimentary. And so Mm -hmm. you'd have to just scroll through pages and pages trying to see if you could find anybody. And then since I didn't know where my birth parents were from, it's like a needle in a hazel. I mean, I knew what hospital I was born in, but that hospital's been torn down. So who knows what happened to their records. So it was a really overwhelming task and I would kind of play around with it. And then I'd get frustrated or I'd get sad or I'd get scared. You know, what if I meet them and they're really horrible people? What if I meet them and they need lots of money and all of a sudden they want me to help? You know, there were so many things going through my head. So I think it was in 2016, I checked in with Alma and that's the first time I had been in contact with them in all of that time since I'd registered and immediately got a response saying, well, we've been looking for you. Oh! And between them and a couple other groups, I was able to find someone who had access to California records okay. that perhaps they shouldn't have okay. and they were able to tell me my birth dad's last name and my birth mom's name must have been on there too and they were both very unusual last names okay i found my birth dad gosh i think i found his obituary within a couple of days oh so he had already passed and through that was able to find my sisters on facebook Okay. And my one sister, especially in pictures, somewhat resembles me. So mm-hmm. when I showed her picture to my husband, he was like, Oh, yeah, that's them. That's uh, got okay. to be them. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So sure. I contacted them, and they're like, No, you know, we don't know anything about this. And are you sure? And I said, I'm not 100% sure, but if you do like a 23 in me, it would at least rule you out if yeah. it isn't. And it didn't, it ruled them in. Okay. So we knew where we were there then my, my natural mom's last name is a very unusual last name, but the community they lived in, there was a whole bunch of them. Oh, shoot. (laughs) So, and a bunch of them went to the same high school as my dad. It was just like a big pocket of them. And so at first I thought my birth mom was this other woman who lived across the street from my birth dad and was really good friends with his sister. And she was a darling woman. I went to visit her in Las Vegas. I had contacted her kids and said, you know, I don't want to make any trouble. I'm not looking to scam anybody. Here's my story. And she has pretty profound memory issues at this point. And so when I went to see her in her care facility, she was so cute because she took my hand and she goes, I don't know. I think if I had a daughter and gave her away, I'd remember that. And I don't, I don't remember doing that. I, I don't know. And so we kind of ruled her out and then were able to connect it to my birth mom finally. And what kind of cinched it for me with Mm -hmm. that was on some record, I had initials for my baby name Mm -hmm. and they were LJ. The two aunts she lived with, one of them's name started with L, one started with J. So that kind of was like, okay, this Mm -hmm. this is starting to make sense. And then I got a hold of her half-sister, who very graciously did a 23andMe, okay. and that confirmed that end of it.
0: That's nice when people are willing to do that, and it doesn't need to be the person you're looking for, right? No. You know, a daughter, a cousin even, I think would connect you guys, right?
1: Well, the 23andMe is very lacking on male relatives if you're a oh. female because of the X, Y, 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 mm-hmm. whatever it is. Hmm. So I don't have as much information, but my son did his test and it just dawned on me the other day. Actually, I called him and I was like, Hey, can you like, give me your 23andMe password and stuff? And he's like, why? I said, cause you're a guy. It just dawned on me. I can see at least part of what you inherited from me that would include things that I can't see on mine. And that's another thing that you run into when you're adopted. I went for 17, 18 years with absolutely no health history, Uh blissfully ignorant to anything that might happen to me ever. And now I find a long history of Alzheimer's and cancer Uh and, strokes. And it's like, well, crap, I'd rather go through life not knowing any of this than than find all this out. Ignorance is bliss. But, you know, that's part of it. If you're going to find out some things, you have to find out all of them. And you just kind of have to be ready to accept that. Yeah. So
0: now you're like the rest of us that were uh, born and raised by our biological parents. We know what (laughs) we know what we're in
1: for. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, what happened then? So you kind of found some clues. You kind of followed the the breadcrumbs and you found your birth mom finally after a long time of looking.
1: And then what happened? First, I had gone out. I met my sisters. We went out to Minnesota and I met them and I met my birth mom's half sister. And she kind of gave me some more background on where my birth mother had lived, who she had been married to, what those names were. After she married my brother's dad and he passed away, she ended up living with pretty much for the rest of her life, a very, who seems like a very kind, lovely gentleman. Mm-hmm. And so most leases and things were in his name. Okay, So that was a huge thing to find his name because that really helped me track down Where they were. And after they lived in the Bay Area, they moved to Arizona. And Arizona has wide open records. It's great. You can go online, you can put in addresses, and they tell you who owns them. And Hmm. so you can look up people, say on Zaba, get their address, put it in this thing, find out more. And what I had found out was. After my birth mom's partner had passed away, the people she was renting from had her house sitting in their winter home, which had an apartment under the garage and she would stay in the apartment when they were home. And then when they were gone during the summer, she would move into the main part of the house and live there. Well, since I knew they were her landlords, I was able to look at who owned the house she had been living in, and then I could use their name to find out what else they owned. So that really got me right on target Uh because Uh now I had an address. I knew where we were going. Mm -hmm. We pack up. We drive to Arizona. We get to the town. And um, the first house we went to, the first day we were there was not her house. And I thought it was going to be. It was another rental that was also owned by these folks. Okay. They didn't know my birth mom or else they said they didn't, but they were like, nope, never heard of her. Wrong place. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm kind of shooting in the dark here, Uh but thank you. Next day we went directly to the records, the property department. Mm-hmm. And the lady there had been helping me on the phone a lot. And I had wanted to bring her some flowers just mm-hmm. because she'd been so hugely helpful. Okay. So I went to talk to her and we found the correct address and they even had the house plans. Uh-huh. So I could see that like under the garage, there was an oh. apartment. Oh wow! And okay. I was like, this is it. I know this is You're it. like a detective. Oh my gosh. So we went over there it was about two in the afternoon and really beautiful little home and When you walk up this little walkway up to the front door, the whole front door was glass. Mm -hmm. So you could just see right into the kitchen and sort of family room. And on the counter, I could see a pack of cigarettes. There was a book open face down like you would do if you were just stopping Mm -hmm. in the middle of a story. Some glasses next to that and a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So nobody answered. But I said to my husband and my son, I said, she must have just run out to the store or on an errand because everything's there, you know, clearly somebody's just been here. So we went back to our hotel and we went to eat and then I got a phone call and through some misunderstandings with my brother and stuff, we finally were able to find out that my birth mom had in fact passed away that day and was in the house, in the bedroom. We couldn't see her. Hold on. This is just such a shock. It is so... Oh, I have like literally never had my Mm -hmm. legs go out from under Uh me before. And I've had some like pretty crazy stuff happen in my life, but had my son and my husband not been on both sides of me as we were walking and I got that call, I would have been just sprawled on the sidewalk. I couldn't believe we had come all that way. And. I didn't call. Some people have said, well, why didn't you call her beforehand? Uh-huh. I didn't call her because I didn't want to hear her say possibly that she didn't want to oh, see me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, if nothing else, wanted to see her yeah. one time. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it makes sense, but it sounds really strange. I had an overwhelming need to smell her. We're hmm. very uh sense oriented, Mm -hmm. you know, that when you give your mom a hug, Mm -hmm. there's a smell, there's Mm -hmm. a familiarity that isn't like, or any friend, anyone close to you that isn't there for anybody else. And all I wanted was to hug her and get that sense just even once. Yeah. So I didn't want to tell her. I figured if she didn't want me there, she could say no. And I could say, could I at least hug you once? She could say yes or no. And that would be it. How did they have your phone number? Were you in touch with your brother ahead of time? This is where I get a little confused too. I had been um, documenting our trip on Facebook for my friends and interested family and things. And I had contacted my brother several times and said, you know, I'm pretty sure you're my brother. Um, I would like to get in touch with this person. Could you let her know I'm looking? Mm -hmm. And he was very defensive. He told me while not admitting she was my parent, she didn't want to see me. And I've never known until ever whether or not he really discussed it with her if he thought he was just doing what was best for her i don't know so the first day we were in the town and we went to the wrong house the next day i got a facebook message from my brother saying it's my understanding you're there you're asking intrusive questions you're bothering Mm. people I'm going to call the police for harassment. And by the way, you also have pictures of my mom on Facebook. And you can't do that because you don't have her permission. And I very politely wrote back to him and said, I own the picture. I can pretty much put it on a billboard if I want to. As long as I'm not making money off of it, honey, I can do anything I want with her picture. And I'd gone to only one house, asked if she lived there and left. So I didn't really see that as harassment.
0: So even before your mother died, your brother was after you just for trying to find her.
1: He was unhappy. And I believe in his own way, trying to protect Mm -hmm. his mom. Mm -hmm. He also does seem like a very private person. Okay, Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps was kind of trying to keep his life the way it was. He does have a child and she has no aunts or uncles on his side. I would dearly love to be her aunt.
0: Well, I'm sure that adoptees run into this a lot. People make you feel like you're some sort of criminal for just wanting to know your genealogy, for crying out loud.
1: They do. But at the same time, the women in the 60s, who gave up their children were promised they would never be exposed. Yeah, that's true. So it's a really hard line for someone who's adopted to try to fill what needs they have while causing the least amount of disturbance yeah. and upset possible. And I tried very hard to be sensitive to everyone's needs. And, you know, he would say something like, well, her need for privacy trumps your need for information. Uh. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I believe my need for information trumps her need for privacy. I'm not going to expose her. I'm not going to go out in the world and tell everybody her name or your name. Yeah. in a way, in my opinion, being a human being, I would think that she would understand why I might want some of this information. And in her case specifically, because she came from kind of a fractured marriage and was shuttled around a little bit. So I would have, or I did hope that that would give her more empathy for my situation yeah. And the need to know where I came from, what yeah. makes up my life, why I am the certain ways I am. For yeah. instance, I was a smoker for many, many years. I literally feel like I came out of the womb wanting a cigarette. Wow. As a kid, I thought it was the most glamorous thing. Neither Mm -hmm. of my folks smoked, but I had aunts and uncles who did. It was like, wow, I can't wait till I smoke. I'm going to be so cool. And it was this just drive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure my mother smoked, my birth mom, while she was pregnant. She was Mm -hmm. a lifelong smoker. Oddly enough, when she died, the brand of cigarettes that I had always smoked is what was in her pocket. Oh, oh, my gosh. And this is back, you know, when there were still a ton of different brands. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. it was just so weird reading. She had a pack of Benson and Hedges Ultralight 100s because it's a very oh obscure brand. Gosh. And I was like, shut up. But that just that explained yeah. so much to me. Yeah. And just her friends that I met who had gone to high school with her said, I sound like her. My gestures are very similar to hers. Just a lot of weird things that now make sense, given what I know, but I would love to know so much more about her. And I feel like my brother's the only person who now has this information. I yeah. mean, He's the missing link that you have. The majority of her relatives have either passed or just don't remember a whole lot. And I do hear, though, often that she was kind of a difficult person to be around, at which case my husband said, well, now I know where you got that from. (laughs) Uh, But I'm glad we can laugh about it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sad, but at the same time, I can't dwell on it because I can't change it. Yeah, you can't. Oh, you're so stuck. Now, okay. So then you intimated that your brother implicated you. So how she got my number was the, we'd gone there about two and there was nobody home, we thought. So then I called her house and, or her cell phone. And I said, "Um, you know, this is who I am we're only here till tomorrow. I just really want to see you once if you're not comfortable with us coming to your home. We can meet you for a coffee. We can meet you in a park. We can bring your friends, whatever you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with. So when the police, she didn't show up to a luncheon and evidently she was always very dependable. Her friends tried to call, there was no answer. They called the sheriff and said, We don't know what happened to our friend. Could you do a safety check? check. Uh They went out. I was the last number on her cell. So they called me and then I had to explain this whole bizarre situation. Oh my gosh. And then they said, well, you know, we need somebody to identify her. And I said, I can't, I've never met her. I know what she looks like. I've seen a picture, but I don't think I said, you know, she has a son and he lives Mm -hmm. back East And so they asked for his name and I said, I don't have a number, but I'm sure he's probably in her cell phone. Then they called me back and the officer said, where are you? And I said, we're walking back to the hotel. And he said, when you get there, I need you to stay there because I need to interview you. And I said, all right, you know, I don't know what I can add because I literally have never met her. And he said, well, your brother mentioned you might be a person of interest. Oh, geez. So They came and interviewed me. And luckily I had been at that, um, the county records office. So I said, you know, this is where I was. I'm with my husband and my son. Honestly, do I really look like somebody who would come and clunk her mother over the head and not take anything and leave her in a locked house? And none of it makes any sense, you know? And I don't know if it was his grief Uh or Just he didn't want to believe it. Interestingly enough, I do have a hereditary blood clotting disorder. Mm. And there's a history of strokes on Mm -hmm. her side of the family. So my gut is that because she was a heavy smoker, Mm -hmm. she had a stroke or developed a blood clot and had an aneurysm or something. But again, nobody will tell me. So
0: that's what I always wondered from watching the film. Did she just die of natural causes or was there a reason for them to believe it could have been a murder?
1: I don't think that they believed so much it was a murder. I think he was worried that I had somehow confronted her and that put her over the edge somehow. But she was found in her bedroom. What they surmised was she had sat down on the edge of the bed, either because she didn't feel well or she was just putting on her slippers or whatever. And when they found her, it was just like she laid straight back. So her feet were still in like a sitting position off the edge. She was straight back. She had a house coat on. She obviously had been up in the morning, like I said, because coffee had been made. And unless it was from the day before, but I doubt that. Maybe she got my message and that caused her anxiety. I mean, which I would feel horrible about. But again, I just have such a hard time understanding that after all this time, I remember I was in my fifties when we went there, that the idea of meeting me would, I guess, dredge up so many bad memories or whatever that she couldn't. And then after the fact, a year later, we went to visit the friends of hers again in Minnesota. And I'm sure they meant well. I want to believe. I know they meant well. They just didn't realize exactly how it came out. But it was this gal that went to high school with my birth mom, along with another gal. And we were in their kitchen having coffee. And the woman looked at me and she goes, well, I just wanted to tell you, I did tell her about you at Christmas. Oh, And I said, oh, and she said, yeah. And she told me she never, ever wanted to see you, oh. which devastated me. But what I think the woman's intent was more like, well, don't worry kind of that she died because you didn't miss anything. She oh. didn't want to see you anyway. So it spared oh, okay. you of mm. hearing that. But mm. I had to hear it anyway, only yeah. from somebody oh, else. Ah. So I don't think she meant anything unkind about it, but that sent me into a spin of depression for many months because everybody wants to believe that their birth parents wonder what happened to them. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the things she asked for when I was born was a picture of me. And I've asked my brother repeatedly, when you went through her belongings, did you find a picture of a baby that wasn't you? I said, I had a really big head because I did. And it was always kind of lolling to one side. <laughs> I said, did you find any picture mm-hmm. of a newborn, you know, that you didn't recognize? And he never answered. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that would have meant the world just to know wow. that she had kept kept a picture, yeah. my picture. Since I didn't get to meet her, just the idea of knowing that she still thought of me in some way that she wanted to keep my picture would have meant so much. And All I literally have of her, when we were leaving from Arizona, we drove by the house again, and I have a rock that's in the pathway from where she would walk to the house to her apartment. Mm -hmm. That's all I have. I have like a one-inch rock. And in my mind, that's not all you should have. Whether you've been relinquished or adopted or sold or whatever, everybody should be able to have some sort of letter or contact or one phone call or something. Something. Even if it
0: was bad. Like even if it was a negative call, at least you would have heard her voice or
1: exactly. Yeah. You know, just once it, it makes it hard because now she's dead and it was easier with my birth dad because when I started looking for him, the first thing I found was his obituary. Okay. So I knew he was gone. And I knew talking to my sisters that he was gone. Okay. But my birth mom, it was just so close. It was so close. And yeah, it was, you know, it's a hard one and it's hard to grieve for someone you've never met. Yeah. Yeah. But you do it just as intensely because you're grieving a dream really in my case of what that reunion would have looked like. And in my head, like, so when I was a kid, I used to fantasize that Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio were my parents because growing up in the Bay Area, you know, you've got Joe DiMaggio and he was just so beloved and they got married. And I was like, yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) But you have, I think children naturally have fantasies about what their birth parents are like, Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't had like greatest adopted mom you think about what might have been and you never think about it as being worse than what you had it because that no. wouldn't be any fun. You think no, about you, it the
0: best as possible
1: scenario. <laughs> maybe they were royalty, or yeah. maybe when you're really little and then yeah. you get more reasonable and you just think maybe they've got a ton of kids. Maybe it's the family mm-hmm. I have always been looking for. Yeah. And what ends up, at least in my case, is you have two families now and you don't exactly fit into either one of them. Which, again, I get. My sisters were raised together. Mm -hmm. They have 50 some odd years of their family memories together. And I'm not going to fit in with that any more than my sisters would fit in, say, with me and my cousin that I was raised with and all of our memories being raised together. Mm -hmm. But it still hurts. Oh, I'm sure it's extremely painful. Honestly, I just accept everything. I can't change it. It is what it is. I try to change the things in my life that I don't think are going well, either for myself or for others, and make those better. Okay. But I can't change the past. Yeah. There's just literally nothing I can do about it. And I have my sad days about it. But at the same time, dwelling on it doesn't do anybody any good at all. And it sure doesn't help me any. Yeah. So maybe I'm running away from it. Maybe I'm not, but I tend to try to take care of other people Mm -hmm. in all the ways I always wanted to be taken care of, which mm -hmm. presents its own set of problems sometimes because you get taken advantage of or whatever. But that's just my way of coping. You've probably seen on my Facebook, I love to cook and I work part-time on and off as a personal chef and anybody, anybody who's having a hard day or whatever, I'm the first one here, here's some enchiladas or here's a lasagna. I really want the people in my circle to feel loved and cared about because I didn't always have that um, I do now. I don't always trust in it, and I think that's something that adoptees all have in common, mm-hmm. or most of us do. I I've met a few people who are like, I have no desire to meet my natural parents. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I got cheated, and I, that's great. I wish I could be mm-hmm. in that spot, but that isn't who I am. So, and I don't feel bitter about it. It's just sad to me that there are a lot of other people in my situation who also can't get any help because Mm -hmm. they won't open up the records. And I've I've just never in my life heard where a person couldn't read their own records. Those are mine, you know, but
0: that's about you. Yeah. I know there's people working in this legal arena to try to get records opened up, but yeah, that's something that a lot of people, I didn't realize until I started really looking at, This adoption issue, but yeah, that is really a civil rights issue to me that you can't obtain your own birth records with your own information where, you
1: know, your parents, your birthday. And well, and then if you look at people who have come from other countries and been adopted, I can't even imagine how difficult that might be because you have a whole other language. And if you haven't been raised, even if that was your birth parents' native tongue, Mm -hmm. if you weren't raised with that language you're really going to be out of luck. And if nothing else, it would just be really nice for every adoptee all over the world. And this is where Doris's mind goes. It would be so nice. It's not going to happen, but gosh, it would be great (laughs) that every adopted child comes with a long written narrative Mm -hmm. of not just your birth parents, but... And you don't even have... If you're not going to identify them, that's great. But tell me my great-grandfather was a farmer or tell me... You know, my great, great aunt discovered pepper. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Or health stuff. Just give me some background. Did you live in a city? Did you live on a farm? Do you like animals? What's your favorite things? And that gives us all a sense of where we get our identities, because a lot of our identities are formed by our environment, but a lot of who we are is already imprinted on us. And it would have been nice to meet somebody who had that same imprint. And that's partially why I still would love to meet my brother, because he's the only person I know that is that closely related to our mom. And gee, it would be interesting to find out more of what she was like, and how it was growing up. And did she want more kids and she just chose not to or, you know, all that stuff. He's really your main link, your brother. He, he is, but he isn't. Yeah, but like he's not being helpful. Ah. So I just keep oh. poking around. I have her old yearbooks because oh, my birth dad, one of his sisters was in her class. Oh. So she gave me all oh. of her yearbooks, which was really cool. Okay. And just to see what clubs my birth mom were in and stuff like oh. that.
0: Well, I hope that anyone who's listening that has not been touched by adoption can, can get a sense for kind of the missing pieces that adoptees all over the world have to deal with. And just, just how that must feel to just have so many parts of your identity that are not known. And in your case, just like one day, ah, one day off, shoot. I know it's just so tragic. It's just like,
1: so it's, it's, it's so surreal that even now I kind of blink and say, did that really happen? Uh,
0: I bet you couldn't write it, you know, a no, more you complicated story. Ha- have you had any backlash or any, I know I've seen a lot of people reaching out in empathy to your story. You know, everyone who watches that film is like, Oh, Oh my gosh. And so I know you get that. Have you received any
1: sort of any negative from it at all? people in my extended adopted family in discussing my adoptive mom are very angry that I have spoken not so nicely of her. I've never said my adoptive mom was a bad person. My adoptive mom was mentally ill and she could not help how she was. And I totally accept that. She just wasn't Quite right. And she definitely was not mother material. Oh. But her side of the family, with a few exceptions, has all but disowned me now. Oh, gosh. More loss. But right. the thing is, again, they weren't really my family. And I have been reminded that not in mean ways, but my whole life. Like yeah. I'm a foot taller than everybody, oh. you know? And so people would be like, wow, she's tall. Yeah, well, she was adopted or whatever. It's fine. It's not like it's a secret, but there was always this sort of slight sense of you're just not quite one of us. Yeah. You're othered all the time. And I get that, you know, and, and I understand that you don't always necessarily treat an adopted child, especially I would think a child who was not adopted at birth, but was adopted much older like if someone adopts say an 11 year old Mm -hmm. i can't imagine being the aunt of that child and going from one day of not knowing that child to the next day just i love you because that's not reasonable i mean you don't just suddenly love a stranger because they became related to you Mm -hmm. you have to learn what they're about and decide yeah but growing up in a extended family that had a lot of children my mom was the only one who only had one child. Most everybody had three or four. There were a lot of things that made it evident that I was different. I had different coloring. I had when I was little, crazy, curly, bright red hair, like nobody else had, you know, and just, I looked a little different. I wasn't their blood. And I tried as a kid, so hard to fit in. Oh. And then finally I was like, nah, I'm not going to bother with that anymore. Oh. But it, it just is what it is. It was a different era. There were a lot of things going on in the sixties. Nobody talked about yeah. people would beat their wives. I mean, my mom had a friend who'd come over with a black eye and I'd oh, be like, God, God, what happened? My mom would be like, oh, we're not going to talk about it. Oh,
0: there's so many secrets.
1: Cause you just didn't and so I think my mom being mentally ill everybody knew but nobody talked about and maybe there's a little guilt there like Mm -hmm. okay we let this woman who couldn't adopt they all knew that she had tried to adopt oh she tried to adopt through an agency or something oh several and was turned down oh because of her mental health presumably because according to my mom there was nothing wrong with her Uh it was everybody else
0: okay sure but
1: I wonder if there's a slight bit of guilt or feeling like knowing now what they know they could have done more, but they didn't know it then yeah. as much. So they couldn't have done more. Yeah. I hope that today that
0: people realize that those secrets are just toxic and not helpful. They Mm-mm. make everything worse. So cut out the secrets with whatever. <laughs> just- yeah. Let's be more upfront with each other. That's what we're trying to do here at Safe Home is, is bring up these adoption trauma, for instance, or suicidality or addiction, all the stuff that no one wants to talk about. We're talking about it. And we right. think that the more we talk about this stuff, the more people can heal and, you know, learn about themselves and uh, learn about each other. What advice would you have for an adopted person who would like to be in reunion?
1: What would you tell them? I would tell them, and I have told people, first of all. Go into it expecting the very worst, because hopefully you will be pleasantly surprised. Don't go into it thinking these people are going to be your new good buddies. They may. Mm -hmm. I have my two sisters. I love both of my sisters very deeply. One of them is a little more separated from me than the other, and I fully accept that. Mm -hmm. That. I was a shock to them. I get that. Mm -hmm. Hope for a happy ending, but don't expect it. And be prepared for some surprises along the way. But it can also not turn out well at all. And I think you just have to be as prepared as you can be. It's not going to make it any easier if there is grief involved. But at the same time, it probably won't be as devastating as if you go into it thinking, oh, we're all going to be a happy, jolly family. And
0: Yeah, you kind of still yourself up beforehand, just,
1: just in case. Yeah, and just remember that as much as you may want to meet them, they may not want to meet you that same amount of, you know, they may not have that desire. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to accept because once you start finding names and places, you want to go there. You, you've been thinking about it for you know your whole life, yeah, yeah. and then you hit these roadblocks, and you can't. Or you find somebody, and you're sure it's your mom, and it isn't. So it's been it's been an interesting yeah. journey. Oh, interesting to say the least. Your story
0: is very unusual and just very eye opening about you know what can happen and just the layers of grief that are inherent in in any adoption.
1: Because there's loss there, no matter what, right? Is there anything else you'd
0: like to share that I haven't
1: asked you about? No, except I highly recommend that everyone read the book, The Primal Wound by Nancy Verrier. Um, I don't get paid for recommending the book or anything like that. I didn't read that book until very late in my life. And I wish I had read it 30 years ago because it is fascinating and so validating about this sort of sense of loss, or in my case, sort of an emptiness that I went through my life with, and that I never knew exactly what to attribute it to. And then after reading Nancy's book and thinking about the fact that while we are growing within our birth mother, that 10 months is a huge bonding time. You hear her heart, you hear her voice, you Mm -hmm. feel her movement. There is so much being imprinted on you. And then it just disappears Mm -hmm. in a second and it's gone, but you still have it within you. I think that's what really drove me was I just felt this overwhelming need to find that little missing piece. And in a way I have, I've, you know, I've got a history more. So, Mm -hmm. like I said, I wish Mm -hmm. I could have hugged her, but you know, we don't always get everything we wish for. So.
0: Well, that's for sure. That's for sure. I wanted to let everybody know that I have a group reading the primal wounds. Actually I have two groups. One, we've already read it, but it's open. It's a book club where if you want to read the primal wound chapter by chapter and answer questions or have discussion along the way that's available to anyone i'll put that link in the notes i also have an adoptive parent only group reading the primal wound so we can hash through all this difficult to uh, digest material some of it kind of is like gulp you know it's it's pretty difficult for some adoptive parents to read this stuff So I have an adoptive parent only group that's reading that and I highly recommend that book and the film too, which features Nancy Verrier in the film, Reckoning with the Primal Wound. So check that out. Are you
1: wanting to have people find you and contact you? You're welcome to look me up on Facebook. Um, I may or may not friend you depending on if I recognize who you are. I get a lot of very weird requests and I don't have any commonality with these people. There's not one person I know. Uh, Those I tend to not accept. If you mention, you know, oh, I was really interested in the primal wound or something like that, more than likely I will uh accept that because I I don't know that I have any great pearls of wisdom to share with you at this point. But I feel (laughs) like we can all help each other and learn and Grow from this. And I did want to add one last thought. If you are an adoptive parent and the child that you've adopted expresses a want or a need to find their birth parents, even though it's hard, please try to remember it is no reflection on you as a person, nor is it any type of negative reflection on your parenting. My dad was the most wonderful man in the world. I adored him till the day he died. And my longing to find my birth parents had really nothing to do with either of my adoptive parents. It was an unfeedable need that literally came from within me so deeply. It was like hunger. Like I couldn't not do it and i would put it away and i would you know the first of the year would roll around or new year's which was always sort of my triggering time and i'd mull on it and i think eh, i don't want to find out and then the next thing you know i'd be in front of the computer digging and digging and digging and it's just for some people it is not a resistible urge it's just mm-hmm. literally primal like nancy said so
0: it is primal You just want to know who you came from. Exactly. Yeah. So adoptive parents, let's help our kids if they show an interest or want to talk about it or any of it, the adoption is part of their story and, you know, their birth family is very much a part of them. So let's be open and help them. And not make things worse for them, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very, very much for coming on and sharing your story with us, Doris. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Beth. I'm so happy to be here. And I know you said your one group is for adoptive parents only, but if they're ever comfortable and want to talk to an adoptee, I would love that. Because I think that when you adopt a child, sometimes there's more worry Am I doing the right thing? Am I handling this? And I'm certainly no expert and I'm not here to tell anybody their parenting is good or bad, but I do want to reinforce that when your child expresses interest in their first parents that they had, Mm -hmm. that's not an insult to you. You're probably, you're more than likely great, wonderful, super parents, but they still just kind of have that need and you need to remember that. Yeah. And help them, help them explore it
0: if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, please share this episode with anyone, you know, who's been touched by adoption or that you think needs to hear the story because we all need to learn, you know, all the different sides of adoption and, uh, make sure and find us on social media, find safe home podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we're on YouTube as well. And, Safe home has a Patreon account. If you're interested in helping us maintain this commercial free podcast, you can donate just a few dollars every month. Patreon makes it super easy. Just go to patreon.com slash safe home. And if you're interested in that adoptive parents group, you go to safehomefamilies.com slash aptitude, A-P-T-I-T-U-D-E. So I think that's all the announcements. Thanks again, Doris. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So Doris and I want you all to
1: stay Stay safe. safe.